so last night when I was coming home, we had a private party at McDo. Cool. And I was pulling into my garage. I This possum what? It, from in my garage, the <gasps> back of my garage, turns and looks at me with its little beady eyes and its long tail. And then it starts coming towards my car. It was up against the wall. It was like going to find a hiding spot, oh. right? I thought, I will just back up slowly. Yep. You can have the garage tonight. <laughs> Gretchen and I, that's my car. Yes. Gretchen and I will park on the driveway. So uh, Gretchen slept outside while the possum slept probably in the played dead in the garage. <laughs> and who knows? That possum could have been, it could live in my garage. And it, it could be in there every night when I get home and I don't know. Eating all your spiders and ticks. Love I have it. a pet possum, apparently, <laughs> in my garage. We should name it. I don't know. Think about that. I mean, the first thing that came to mind was Penelope, but it's just because it starts with a P. I like it. I like Penelope the possum. <laughs> Penelope possum. Penelope possum. I uh, don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Well. I don't know how you sex a possum. Or j- yeah, that's what they call it, right? I think so. Yeah. I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to get close enough no. to, <laughs> to know the difference. No. Penelope. Penelope. Then it can be a boy or a girl. Either one. <laughs> Penelope to my possum. Perfect. Okay. Well, let's just in get let's get into it. <laughs> this is Be Creatful, a podcast about finding fullness through creativity. I'm Joe. And I'm Madison, and today on this very spooky episode, 91, we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) So we're talking about this because if you don't already know, Halloween is Madison's favorite day of the year, favorite holiday. It's my favorite favorite holiday. It's it's my favorite season of the Mm -hmm. year. So she loves October, spooky season, Halloween. So since uh, this podcast episode is dropping on Halloween. I said, Madison, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, Dungeons and Dragons. Because I feel like it has a great relationship with creativity and community, which is... But is it spooky? Sometimes it can be. Okay. So... So we've been talking about doing a Dungeons and Dragons episode for a minute because I know nothing. Um, And actually, Mooley listens to the podcast, my mom, Mm -hmm. and... She was like, what is it that Madison's always talking about? I said, Dungeons and Dragons. And then she doesn't know the word cosplay. So I'm sure she's not the only one, but Mm -hmm. you talk about cosplay a lot. So will you tell us what cosplay is? Yes. It's short for costume play. Mm -hmm. And basically, if you hear that, it's adults who are dressing up as characters. Um, Or teens. Or teens. Sorry. Because sometimes our our teens go to Comic Con and cosplay. Yes, and kids can do it too. It's just I guess I suppose it is a term that people use outside of Halloween to right. say that they are dressing up either as a character that they like or as a means of showing off some sort of craftsmanship. And is cosplay always like for characters that already exist? Sometimes people can do their own what they call original characters. Okay. Um. But most of the time, it's based on an existing character, yeah. whether it be well-known or not. So you can cosplay anything, like superheroes, mm-hmm. um, anime, Disney princesses. Yep. Anything. Exactly. Um, Star Wars. Yeah. I would say the difference is like, 
you wouldn't cosplay as like a crayon because that's like a thing that you would be at, at Halloween. Right. Okay. But sometimes you could dress up as thing for things for Halloween, like superheroes that could also be considered yes. cosplay. Yeah. The character aspect. Is, right. Because Halloween does have an aspect that is not character. Driven. Yeah, sometimes you just dress up as a thing. Yeah, like my niece is going to be a gumball machine. <laughs> I love that. She's one. That's fabulous. Or like uh, if you watch Big Bang Theory, I think one of them dressed up as the Doppler effect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not not really a cosplay. No. But also you know, not really something most people would understand. Exactly. Okay. So anyways, so that's cosplay. Sometimes now I, I do want to make a different like to separate the two. Sometimes people will cosplay as their Dungeons and Dragons character. Yes. But I want to make this very clear. I do not show up to my to our sessions is what we call them. Our Dungeons and Dragons sessions in costume. Can we pretend you do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are probably some that do that I just occasionally. Think I would rather imagine you as your character, dressed up as your character while you're explaining Dungeons uh, and Dragons. Yes. You should have cosplayed as your character today. I should have. I've had a few in the past, but the current one that I'm playing is a rather spooky character. But I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. We I are. Wanna, we are. Yes. I want to okay. tell you about what Dungeons and Dragons Because I was just about is. to ask you a lot of questions about characters. Yes. So we so need to back up. We'll go from there. Well, all right. Let me explain. Okay. So Dungeons and Dragons is a type of game. Uh, it is a type of tabletop role-playing game. So basically what that means... Are there other tabletop role-playing games? Oh, yes, there are. Okay. There's one that exists in the Star Wars universe. So okay. if you want to pretend to be a Star Wars character and have adventures, there's a game for is that. Is Dungeons & Dragons the most popular one? It is the most okay. popular one. And it's a fantasy one. So if you've watched Lord of the Rings, it kind of takes place in that sort of realm. The first time I remember hearing people talk about Dungeons & Dragons was probably when I was in high school. But I thought it was like shoots and ladders. I thought like an actual board game. Yes. And so it was a long time before I even had a concept for Dungeons and Dragons. It's been around for a really long time. It was like created, since the 80s, right? It was created in 1974. Whoa. And it started to gain popularity in the 80s. And if you've watched Stranger Things, then you've heard a few Dungeons and Dragons terms, I'm sure. Um, but it's a tabletop role playing game, which means that you play around a table with a group of people, usually friends, and you're using some sort of rule book to guide you through this imaginative play. Um, it was derived... But where does the rule book come from? Okay. So, um, depending on what game you want to play, you buy that rule book at a game store or at a bookstore. Okay. So, if you walk into Barnes & Nobles, they do have Dungeons & Dragons and other rule books for other tabletop games that you play. So... Um, it's the and the goal of the game is to tell a story. Okay. No one wins. My sister played Dungeons mm -hmm. and Dragons for the first time and she's like, I thought I was just supposed to take the gold and run. <laughs> like that I could right. win at the game. Right. And that's not really like Settlers of Catan or something. Yes. Um so it's supposed to be collaborative. Okay. And it is also creative. Now there's one part of the game or there's one player in the game that's different from the rest, and that is what in Dungeons & Dragons you would call the Dungeon Master. Or the DM. Or the sure. DM. Right. Okay. Um, in other games, it's called the GM or the Game Master. Okay. This is the person that puts 
that basically helps to tell, they're like the author of the story. They are setting up the setting and they play the other characters that people might interact with. Shopkeepers. Okay, can I, is it, does it bother you if I interrupt you to ask no, clarifying questions? No. Okay. So if I go to Barnes and Noble and yeah. I'm like, I want to start playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. All I'm going to find there is a rule book. You're going to find. You yes. can't go like buy the game. You don't have. A, there's not like a box set. Okay. They do have what's called like a a player's set that has the player's handbook, a set of dice. Because it's special dice. And some character sheets. Yes. Um, these dice are not just like six-sided die. You have one of those. But then there's. I'm trying to remember the exact number, but a few other dice that you roll. The one that you're rolling most often is a 20-sided die. Isn't it called a tetrahedron a or do something? dodecahedron, I think. Oh, okay. Um, and that is what you use to determine all sorts of different things that could be left up to chance in the game. So here is what you need to play. You need a paper, piece of paper. You need pencil. Everyone needs a piece of paper? Everyone needs a piece of paper. Okay. Piece of paper, a pencil, dice, and a rule book. That's all you need to start playing. Okay. That's it. And a dungeon master. And a dungeon master. Preferably someone who has played the game before who knows what they're doing. Right. Or you can just look up a few YouTube videos. Like, okay. It's chill. So that's what you would need if you walked into Barnes & Noble and got that. Okay. The dungeon master, the DM, has a book that they also that's different from the player's handbook. It's called the Dungeon Master Guide, and they use that, or and the Monster Manual is another one, where um, basically it gives them different rules and things for setting up a setting. Okay, so then the Dungeon Master is responsible for creating like the bones of the story. Yes. So there's homework for there them? is prep work. Um, there is within D and D culture. DMs are highly, like, well, DMs are highly appreciated for the most part. They're the people that are spending hours of their own time outside of the game, making sure that they know, you know, kind of have a plan for the story. They know the setting. They've maybe got some, like, what you would call non-player characters in their pocket to interact with mm -hmm. the to interact with the player characters. Um, but the problem tends to be is once you get, is, Typically, when you place yourself in the role of a dungeon master, you oftentimes don't get a chance to play as a player. Right. Because you know too much. You know too much. Well, and also, I mean, it's role playing. So you kind of have to set aside like outside knowledge anyways when you play. Uh -huh. I might be getting ahead of myself here. But um, most people don't want to DM because of all that homework. Right. One of our teens is building a game. Yes. Is that how you would call, say it? Um, I would say that she's, uh, yeah, like building a campaign or a story. Okay, yeah. And uh, it's like set in different times and like on different planets. There's background and mm -hmm. lore to the story. And she's like drawing all of her characters. Yes. And, yeah. Which you don't have to go that far to like draw characters and come up with your own setting. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, specifically Wizards of the Coast, which is the people that come out with these games, they have what's called modules, which are, so there's rule books and then there's other books that can give you like a setting. Okay. So you don't have to come, come up, up with, with your everything. own. Okay. Originally, that's kind of how it was played was you have this setting, you have this place, 
in a, in the book already, and the dungeon master goes from there. But because of how popular D&D has become, more people have wanted to put their spin and their world uh, to create a world within, you know, the framework of Dungeons and Dragons. So that's what our team is doing right now. Yeah. Using the basic rules to make her own story. Yeah. Which is really creative and really interesting because it gives you like, okay, you know that characters are going to, you know that you're people, your players are going to create characters and they're going to roll dice to figure out what happens in different situations. Because you still have to fit inside of, we'll just call it like the Dungeons and Dragons rule book is kind of like the laws of physics. Like, exactly. Like you can't create a story, a fantasy novel, even in our world. Well, think about if it doesn't apply to the law of physics. Well, and think about this. Have you ever encountered a book or a movie where you're like, that just seemed too easy for the person to like right. get things done. Like, oh, magic just fixes it. And it feels cheap. Mm -hmm. Dungeons and Dragons is a game of imagination, first and foremost. But what keeps it from being cheap where it's like, well, I pull out, you know, this giant spell that like right. defeats everything is those rule books. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, those limitations and that order is what allows the creativity to flourish and an interesting story to unfold. Uh -huh. So. Okay, that's a lot. I know. No, is there anything else you need to ex that you want to explain? Um, could I uh, talk a little bit about characters? Because we've talked a lot about like what is on the DM side, but what as a player? Well, also, uh, uh, how do you know when it's over? Mm. So it's I, most of our uh, listeners are adults, right? Yes. Okay. I mean, I, honestly, I don't know. Yeah. I know we have a teen who listens. Oh, hey, teen. Hi. You know who you are. <laughs> um, have you ever tried to... I mean, you're part of a book club right now, right? Uh-huh. Does sometimes book club get canceled? Uh, yeah, like, like this whole month. Yeah, exactly. I, it kept getting changed. So Dungeons & Dragons, a typical session will last like two to three hours. Sometimes they can last all day if if that's what the group wants. It's really hard to find time to play a continual story. So a lot of stories or campaigns end up fizzling out because mm. adults things change people move away and you need everyone to be available to play i guess exactly so if you've got just think about it if you're trying to get like three to five adults to be in one place for two to three hours maybe every week that's hard to do yeah um so a lot of campaigns just fizzle out or um if a campaign actually does get to finish, the DM kind of like takes you through like, all right, you've defeated the bad guy. You've gotten the whatever. You've you've solved whatever problem was going on in the story. And then he kind he or she kind of guides you through just the end and is like, all right, then that's our last campaign or our last session. Yeah. So. And then you decide if you want to start again. Yeah. Or maybe you want to continue to play as those characters in that world, but then it's time to start. You have to have a new problem. You have to right. have something, another adventure to go on. Right. So. Yeah. So how do you know when you're done for the night? Uh, that is up to the DM. Okay. Uh, sometimes it's based on like, all right, guys, it's been three hours. We're going to go ahead and call it here. Sometimes they choose to stop it at like maybe a cliffhanger or something like okay. that. Okay. So. So, um, your Halloween costume. Yes. Well, you wanted to talk about characters. Yeah. Okay. But your Halloween costume is a D&D &D character, right? Yes. Um, if you're really interested. But not in, your character. It's not my character. If you're really interested in D&D, &D, there's these things 
online you can watch called Live Place. And it's where people have put a camera on themselves and they just play D&D. Some of them have a really high production value and some of them are just like casual people just playing. And there's podcasts too. Do you watch them? I do. I mean, obviously you watch the one that you are dressed up as, but do you watch others? Um, I've watched tidbits of others as well. And then of course I'm a part of my own, uh, of a campaign as well. Which y'all don't record. We do not record. No. (laughs) If you did, we'll put the note in the show notes. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) It's probably better that way. Um, So I specifically watch Critical Role, which is probably the biggest one Mm. out there right now. And I think I said this in the last podcast. I would liken it to if you really like football, like playing football, this is like watching football. Uh You get to watch other people. But a lot of people like to watch football and they don't play. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that enjoy watching Critical Role that don't play Dungeons and Dragons. And that's okay, too. Is this the real people or is this one animated? Isn't there one that they like? animated so this critical role is a live play which means they're actual people playing dungeons and dragons they got enough cash and made enough you know good relationships with amazon that they have an animated show that's based on their story and what is it called it's called the legend of vox machina okay i was like isn't there an m in there yes yes machina yes okay so uh that is very unusual we are in this weird place in D&D culture where we've got these like almost high level celebrities and we're getting a lot of um, attention right now. There's also a Dungeons and Dragons movie that's coming out. So if someone was like, I want to understand this better, could you watch The Legends of Vox Machina to understand it? Or would Not it the feel... animated show. No. Okay. It feels like a story. If you want to understand... Because it's already been done like it's not being played as it goes along because they're not you're not seeing them roll dice right um you're just seeing the story play out just like you you know if you're watching every other tv show okay um yeah so um but you can watch critical theory critical Critical role Role. yes okay i'll link their youtube yes in the show notes if i remember um, I also want to mention there's another one called Dimension 20 that's done by the people who uh, who run College Humor. Very funny. What's College Humor? It's a um, sort of like sketch comedy group. Oh, okay. Um, but let me also put this out there. You do not have to be an excellent voice actor or an improv star in order to play Dungeons and & Dragons and have a good time. Well, because these these two campaigns are popular because they have, they're compelling. They yes. have like compelling, act, like not actors, people and personalities are playing. It's just like there's podcasts that are a lot more compelling than ours, but we still have a podcast. And we have fun doing it. Yeah. And that's the point is that Dungeons and Dragons is first and foremost supposed to be fun and enjoyable for everyone who's playing. So otherwise... Why bother? Yeah, okay, but uh, in Critical Role, your character died. Yes. So you can die? You absolutely can die. And then you're just out? You just can sh- You just come and like have to sit in the corner no. and watch everyone play? <laughs> that would be really sad, wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> so um, let's say your character does die in one of the games. Uh, you can talk with your DM, and depending on what they say... They can maybe figure out a way for you to come back as something, as that same character, or you may choose to just 
what we would call re-rolling another character or just create another character and okay. the DM can work you back in. So our, and you said the DM comes up with non-player characters. Is yes, that what you call NPCs. them? So could you like take on one of those? You could. Okay. You could just talk with the DM and say, hey, I want to be that one character that I thought was really cool. Or you can come up with something completely new. Because I mean, I just read a seven book fantasy series and new characters are coming in all the time. See? Like you can just, yeah. It, again, it's theater of the mind. Yeah. Anything, pretty much anything is possible. So in Critical Role, you're player got to come back Mm -hmm. so dying in this fantasy realm is not necessarily the end end all Mm -hmm. um there's spells that can bring people back um depending on how much time has passed so like there's a revivify spell that like if you have all the components all the stuff that you need to make the spell happen you can bring people back if they die but sometimes it takes a little bit more effort in order to bring someone also, back. Also, because in what I know about magic, everything costs something. It does. And to bring someone back, a lot of fantasy authors don't mess with it. Yeah. Because, like, then nothing's final. Yeah. The stakes are then lowered. Yeah. Um, so what was so beautiful about watching my character come back was that the DM crafted a whole scenario where... They had to find a really high-level magic user, and they were like, "Mm, we don't really want to do this. They had to convince them. They had to go to another realm. They had to fight a big, bad thing, and then they had to convince her soul to come back. So it was a whole ordeal. And so so obviously she wants to come back at the person playing the character. Yeah. But... She doesn't get to make decisions. Only the dice can make the decisions, right? For the most part. DMs, again, they kind of act like an author slash god of the story. So if the character's like, I really want to come back, they don't have to leave it up to the dice. Okay. The DM can be like, yeah, I'm just going to let you come back. And Okay. Yeah. That's there is a lot of power in being a DM. You can decide to ignore a rule when you want to. But that's kind of where some people might have take some issues with their DM because they typically DMs have a screen in front of them. And that's so that characters don't know like what they're rolling to kind of prep for what might happen. Like, oh, they just rolled a 20. It's going to be really bad or something's, you know, something incredible is going to happen. There's a level of secrecy there. Mm-hmm. And so you have to trust that your DM is being fair or is trying to craft a good story. And if you're like, your DM is most likely a friend of yours, right? Oh, yes. And so no one wants to be friends with someone who's just trying to make everyone miserable. Exactly. The DM also is in charge of deciding when everyone's going to play. And they are the ones that are... they are the ones that handle any interplayer drama. Oh, Either yeah. in, like, well, in game, obviously, but out of game, if there is a toxic person that's in your group, it is the DM's job to kick them out or figure out a way to deal with mm, it. Interesting. Yeah, which makes it hard, like you were saying, because it's usually a bunch of friends. Yeah. Ooh, that is a whole level I hadn't thought about. Yeah. Um, okay. Explain the dice real quick. Okay. So like if we come up to something, it's like we need to cross this river. Mm-hmm. 
then we would roll, like, what would be a, so build yes. quickly, be a DM, Absolutely. and we need to cross a river. Okay. So we would have what's called a skill check. So in D&D, your character has five, yeah, five stats, and they are um, strength, dexterity, constitution, wisdom, and intelligence. And when you create your character, you roll dice to figure out what that number is. Oh, okay. So you're using the dice even to create your character. Absolutely. You wanted to talk about characters next anyway, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you roll those dice and then you have this number. That number also allows you to determine how, like what we would call a modifier that you get to add to your dice roll. So let's say I'm the DM. I'm like, all right, you need to cross the river. Make a dexterity check. There's a lot of rocks that are here and you need to avoid them. So Pip is nibbling on something. She's under the sewing cart up against the wall. I don't know what she has. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> okay. Um, wait, so this isn't something... Do you not do that like at the beginning when you're creating to you see do. what your character is like? But then this is just to see on the day like if they're having yes. a good day or a bad day well like think like you don't bring a hundred percent every day oh to i your bring a hundred and ten percent we've already talked about how that is extremely realistic some days you have good days and some days right are bad. So, so let's okay. say you've got your dexterity is you know uh let's say it's a 17 it's really really good that's okay. what you rolled when you, you first made your character okay. you have what's called a modifier it's the number that you would add to any Anything pertaining to dexterity. Okay. okay. So your modifier is quick math. See, I'm not great at math and there's a lot of, there's, there's like at a lot of adding in Dungeons and Dragons. So how do you find the modifier? It tells you in the book if it's from, you know, oh, if it's from, you know, nine to 10, it's a negative one modifier. If oh. it's a, yeah. so okay. 17 is a, I believe it's a four modifier. Okay. So you roll your D20. Let's say you get, um, a 10. The D20 is the fancy That's Dungeons the big, and Dragons dice. Yes. Okay. You roll that. Let's say you get a 10. Well, it's a dexterity check, so you're going to add your modifier. So I would get 14. So you would get 14. And so, so I'm not my best. Well, you're, then your DM would decide if that's enough to get across the river. But what I mean is my character normally is a 17 for dexterity, but on today I'm a 14. Well, we wouldn't like view it like that. It's more like when you roll that dice, it's kind of like, accounting for the world that you're living in. So, or it, there's many ways to interpret that. So let's say you do get a 14, you know, maybe like, so there's, um, there's a challenge rating for every, um, every scenario. So may, let's say it's not that hard to cross this river. Your challenge rating might just be a five. So if you get a 14, great, you've gotten across the river, no problem. But if the challenge rating was really, really difficult, like you needed a 20 to cross this river, it's deep, it's rushing water, you know, it's very, very dangerous, and you got a 14, then you would fail the check and possibly get swept away. So that's kind of how you view it. It's less about, oh, my character just sucks today. It's more of, is my character... What's required to yeah, do the what's thing. what's required okay. to do the thing. Gotcha. Yeah. So... It's very complicated, I know. But this is typically stuff that when you're playing for the first time, your DM is guiding you through. 
Right. And that's what the rule book is there to help make everything make sense. Exactly. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about characters. Yes. Okay. So when you're building your character, and this is one of the most like creative, this is, for a lot of people, this is their most fun, favorite part of Dungeons and Dragons. You get to decide who you want to be. Um, do you build a character and then bring it to a game? Or does a DM say, hey, I have an idea. Like, let's do a game that looks kind of like this. Build a character to fit into this world. You can do both. Okay. It just depends on what, your D- what kind of game your DM wants to run. Okay. So... The first thing that you do is you pick a race. So depending on, you know, typically in Dungeons and Dragons. Like elf. Elf, dwarf, um, hobbit. <laughs> yeah, we call them uh, halflings in okay. D&D. Um, so there is a lot of Tolkien stuff in there. But okay. there's also things like you could, you know, depending on your DM, you could be something really crazy. Like, oh, I want to be a minotaur. Okay. Or I want to be a mer person. Okay. Or you could be a human or a gnome or a fairy. Okay. You could be like an, you know, an Got animal, it. all that. So you get to pick that. So we're not talking race like. We're talking about. World, like our races. We're talking about like actual fan- race. And fantasy yeah. races. I mean, okay. I would argue that all of us the are part of a race. human race. Yeah. We're talking specifically about like, yeah, different things. And that comes with, you know different abilities like if you're a human then you get different you know pluses to different things if you're a mer person maybe you know you get different pluses to other stuff you know so that's cool and then you move on to your class which is like your occupation what you're really good at and this is where you get a lot of your like skills from are you a fighter so does that mean that you you know you're good with a lot of weapons or maybe you're what I'm playing right now in my campaign a cleric you're someone who is a holy person who uses divine power or all sorts of different things and that gives you additions to various you know to your stats um and then you you know you may or may not have a background you can craft that you don't have to have a like background. a backstory exactly um and you can add some flavor things in there that have nothing to do. That's what we like. Flavor just means like extra stuff that doesn't affect the numbers of the game, mm-hmm. but that just makes it more interesting for your character. Yeah. So like my character, um, really like for my, my character really wants to reach out to people and wants connection, but because of her backstory where she's like been horribly disfigured. She can't or people are scared of her. And so that changes the way that people interact with me in the story and how I interact with them. Mm-hmm. But it has absolutely nothing to do with the numbers mm-hmm. of what I roll or anything like that. All the people that play in your campaign, like they know all the characters know each other, right? Sometimes they do. Okay. Like um, sometimes they can be related or they already know each other or... What typically a typical way to start a Dungeons and Dragons campaign is you're all in a tavern and you might all be sitting at separate tables, uh-huh. but you know, someone walks in and it brings all of you together and then you get to know each other. Okay. So it's really up to you whether or not okay. you know someone beforehand. Okay. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm just fascinated <laughs> this exists. And again, if fantasy is not your vibe, there's Wild West settings there's star wars settings there's settings that happen like as pirates there's even a tabletop role-playing game where if you want to be a marvel superhero you can role play as them Mm. in the modern world yeah 
it's really cool. Got it. Okay, what else do you want to say about characters? Um, some people have art commissioned of their character, but you get to decide what they look like, what they wear. Um, and a lot of people can, when they're first in Dungeons and Dragons, can get really stumped by, well, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. And so the easiest, the advice that I was given and I give to other people is think about what you want to be and then go and consult the rule book and figure out how to fit that. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of people that can get caught up in making sure that their characters are the most optimal. And I think this might be something you would be into. Absolutely. We're like, oh, well, if I'm a human fighter, then that gives me all of these pluses to my stats. Uh-huh. And I'll be really good and I'll be the best fighter. Uh-huh. But you never know what. You never know what you might roll, but if you have a lot of, if you've got really high modifiers or you're really good at something, then you do kind of stack your chances in, in favor of, you know, oh, I'm really good at fighting. I'm really good at this. Um, But you never know what skills are going to be needed. That's true. Along the story. That's a conversation that you can have with your DM. Like, okay, are we going to be like right now I'm in basically a Dracula campaign. So I wanted to be a holy person who deals with holy water and like Uh has a lot of tools to fight that. Some people may want to build a character like that, but in the same campaign, we have someone that's basically like an elf druid who like, you know, works with plants and stuff. And you're like, does that fit? Yeah. But they're still useful in the campaign. Uh So I try to get people away from like, well, will this make the most powerful character? Play something that you will enjoy. I enjoy winning yeah. and being powerful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there are some people. Okay. So here's when Dungeons and Dragons can sometimes go bad. Okay. When people get really concerned with power and money in the campaign. Hey, kind of like in real life. Let's be real here. Even though we're playing imaginary games, we tend to mirror what's going to happen in the in our real lives. So in a lot of ways, Dungeons and Dragons can be quite therapeutic because you get to be someone else, but also still you, uh-huh. and you get to explore ideas you typically wouldn't get to. Well, for a lot of people, that means a power fan- fantasy. Uh-huh. So they become what we call murder hobos. Murder hobos. <laughs> These are people who... Or these are characters that go through the world, kill whoever they want, and they don't have a home. They just want to go to the next place that has treasure, hence the hobo. That's not really a that's not really a kind word that we should yeah. use for people who are, you know, unhomed. Right. So but that's the term we use here. And they just kill and go through the campaign and they seemingly have very few consequences. And they they get to stay. Well, it, that's where it's up to the DM to be like, okay, there needs to be consequences for every time that you kill someone. Yeah. But it can be hard to deal with them because it's a, I mean, that's a player that's engaged, that is actively doing something a lot, you know, a lot of the time. And you want that in your campaign. You just don't want them to just be killing whoever, you know, someone might be important later. Right. Know kind of derailing the story they're more interested in power than a good story which is kind of the point of dungeons and dragons yes so that's why i steer people towards don't try to optimally build something build something that is interesting to play and go from there yeah because you can always change your mind well and because the whole point is it's it has a community aspect from the beginning right so the whole point is like we're all in this story together. Yes. 
Um, there's been a few situations where I've been in a session and someone's like, well, let's just kill him. You know, in, instead of like, well, maybe we could have information or be useful. Or yeah. some characters, they have they have what's called alignments. All characters have alignments. And it it's the general morality of the character. Oh, so your character could have some sketch morality. Like. Oh, yes. There's a whole grid. You know, you there's... Um, and yeah. that kind of makes it fun, too, because if everyone is always trying to do the most moral thing, there's not a lot of tension even within the characters. Well, and morality can be different. You can yeah. be, quote, a good character, but there's three different types of ways to be good. You could be lawful, neutral, or chaotic. Lawful good is what we typically think of as, like, people who always want to follow the rules, uh-huh. um, almost to a fault, where, like... Um, Whereas, like, maybe a chaotic good character does kill the Like a the vigilante. Evil. Yes. Or a neutral good character who's just like, whatever ends up being yeah. the best for yeah. whatever. So so yeah. it's partly on the player to stay true as you're making decisions, like, to the character. Um, this is the part that sometimes I can get tripped up on is where do I end and my right. character starts. Uh-huh. So you kind of have to put some distance between yourself and the character. Uh-huh. Like I know this, like I know in the game, I know how I've played this Dracula story before. So I'm playing it again. Oh, but I have to separate with different people. Um, with a few different people, okay. but there's some people that are returning. Um, I have to separate what we call player knowledge and character knowledge. My character doesn't know how to defeat this guy, but I as the player do. So are you playing as a different character this time? I am. Okay. So I have to think, how do I, how would this character react in this situation? Even though I know what the right choice is, sometimes role-playing means you pick the choice that your character would, not you as the player. Right. And also you have to roll the die. Yes. You always have to, well, yeah, you have to roll the dice sometimes. And sometimes you make choices and there's no dice rolling. Oh. It can just be like, hey, I want to go and talk to this person. And you're like, cool. And you go and talk to that person. Who's like cool? The DM? Yeah. Okay. It It is similar to like a video game because this is where video games got their role-playing inspiration from. Okay. This took place before all of the big video game booms. So... Even within like some of the coding of video games, they have these stats mm. to each of the characters and the AI, you know, rolls through a random set of numbers to decide what happens in the video game. Okay. See, I don't play video games either, so I don't really have any yeah. con- thing to connect this to. Yeah. Uh, how long have we been talking? Like like 40 minutes. Oh my gosh. I, I thought this was going to be a... Fa- I thought <laughs> we would no, be like, so bam, much bam, 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 here's Dungeons and Dragons. Are there any like pressing questions you want to ask otherwise i want to get into some of the creativity of no get into the creativity okay cool so um we talked a lot about dungeon masters having a lot of say and um power Mm -hmm. in the campaign um what's really what can really be you can be incredibly creative as a dm because you can write a completely new story with a new Um, With a whole new world. So we're talking about full world building. How does magic work in this world? Yeah, which is what our team is doing right now. Exactly. Um, Which is exceptionally creative. People have used um, like already pre-written stories like, oh, I want this to take place in the world of Harry Potter. But they have to find ways in order to mesh the Harry Mm -hmm. Potter world and the Dungeons Mm -hmm. and Dragons rules. 
together. So it's incredibly, um, it's incredibly intricate. Yes. The way that they come up with some of these things, but there's also the creativity in role playing. Mm -hmm. Like I talked about earlier, you have to be able to separate your knowledge from your player's knowledge. Well, even creating your character. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, because you may make, I mean, there's so many decisions to make when you're making a character. You might make one that negatively affects your character, but that could make your character very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that the role playing of the character is inherently creative in the process of creating the character and also in game. But also there's a little bit of improv that happens in the game mm. where you are you're presented with a problem like crossing a river and you may decide, well, I have a spell that I can make, I can make a tree grow and I could push it over and we could use it as a bridge. Spell from the rule book. Yeah. You would get that spell from the rule book. So like, you know, let's say you are a spell caster. You're a druid. You decide to, you know, make a tree grow and then cause it to bend over and make a bridge. It's using what's in front of you in order to solve a problem. So there's creative problem solving there. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Dungeons and Dragons, uh, DMs can give what's called inspiration. Mm. So let's say you you get rewarded for creative solutions. You get an extra die to roll, to add to your roll whenever you're doing some sort of check. Um, so inherently, D&D rewards creativity mm. and creative thinking. Um and I think what's kind of sometimes harder to get across in D&D is that your imagination is pretty much the limit, but we also have these rules of physics. Right. It's those limitations that cause those creative solutions to happen. Because otherwise you could just say, well, I just, you know, I just blast the guy and he's dead now and yeah. the game is over. Like, I need to get across this river. I'm just going to fly across. I'm just going to fly across. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make for an interesting story. Mm-hmm. It's those limitations and the wins that you get every now and again that really hits you with that high. Mm-hmm. Like, when my character came back, just watching people, when I when my favorite character in Critical Role came back, I was like, just gave me that high, like, oh, that's amazing. Because the alternative was she may not have. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of D&D is like, sometimes it's just up to the dice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can try your best. You can persuade someone. You could try and, you know, figure out a way to get across that river. But it may not always work. Right. So. And then you might drown. And then you might drown. <laughs> And, and then, then you have to have a new, whole other character. Or you hope that uh, there's a way in the world that you can come back. Yes. So those are all creative things that happen within the game. But I want to talk just real quickly about the creative things that happen outside of the game. Oh. So this is like the physical world. So I have a friend of mine who taught me how to paint miniatures. So this is not required for D&D. Mm. All of these things that I'm going to talk about are not required. Okay but they're like the fun creative things you can do. So you can make, get a, like a little mini person to like move around a map. And so you, we have people, there's a whole like subsect of the hobby that likes to paint um, the little miniatures for that. So the miniatures, you would be like, I'm going to get an elf because my race is an elf. Yes. And then you make it to look like. You make, you yours. make it to look okay. like your character. Yeah. And then of course they've got minis for 
like monsters and things because sometimes it's hard to picture in your head yeah. a whole fight scene. Right. Especially when there's so many moving parts to it, I would Absolutely. Think. Yeah. So a lot of times what DMs will do is they'll create maps, which is a whole nother like, oh, you know, I can make a little grid or you can make it as beautiful and lovely and realistic mm-hmm. as you want. There's some people that make 3D maps that have like, oh, there was a tree there. And so there's an actual tree yeah. and model and all of that. Um, and then you can use your miniatures to move around and figure out where you are. I mean, the world of like virtual reality and AR mm-hmm. where people are all wearing the headsets is going to open this up a ton. Oh, yes. To be able to like build it in real time. Yes. So some people already have these physical like miniatures that they keep in their back room and they pull them out mm-hmm. for whenever they have a session, but there already is a virtual tabletop that you can use that builds all of this out for you. And so you can kind of see um, where your character is, what they're doing in the fight, you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, and so this is really cool. Sometimes DMs will give you actual physical puzzles. So, and this is again, going the extra mile, yeah. getting really creative. So like, let's say there's a treasure box that you have to get into and there's locks to it. The DM might actually bring out a box uh-huh. with a bunch of locks in it, and then you, as you the, have to do it, you have to do it. And that's how one of my good friends uh, got engaged. We were playing Dungeons and Dragons, and her character had to figure out how to open up this puzzle box, and her engagement ring was on the inside. So, did this have to be approved by your DM? Oh, yeah. well, the yeah. DM. <laughs> Was uh, her fiance? Oh, okay. So thankfully, he had a lot of yeah. like, and so then control. no one else knew. We all knew what was happening, oh, oh. so we know to like, okay, we're gonna let her character right because you kind of have to manipulate the situation. So she's the one that's opening the yeah. box, and that's actually fairly common in D anD. d If you're like, let's say, you know, you want to be a character, people getting engaged. Oh no, no. Oh. Well, there might be. <laughs> but like, let's. But like, having characters and DMs kind of conspire against each other. You might decide like, hey, you might go to your DM and be like, hey, I want to betray my group because I think it would be cool in the story. Mm-hmm. And then you like work it out with your DM and you can like pass secret knowledge and stuff. Oh, oh. And then you have to try and role play a character that's being duplicitous. Right. It's so cool. So um, anyways, so yeah, there might be actual 3D puzzles that you have to do. And there's all sorts of different ways to enhance your gameplay. But ultimately, the best creative tool that you have at your disposal is your mind. Yeah. And that's what makes D&D fun. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've got about my creative Well, elements. the way... So, so just as a complete outsider yeah, yeah. looking in, also I hear one bazillion conversations about D&D mm. in the make-do space. With the with the teens. Yeah, and with you and with whatever. Yeah. Um, is that I think that it takes so make do's mission is using creativity mm-hmm. the make as a way to engage community the do mm-hmm. and that's what dungeons and dragons is like it's both the make all the creativity stuff you just mentioned and the do of mm-hmm. being in community while you actually do the thing while you play the game so people I think that it's I, cool yeah people that I haven't like that I kind of knew became my really good friends because we played D&D together. Mm-hmm. All that time that you're spending together, you're making mistakes together, weird stuff is happening, and those experiences are what bond you together. Mm-hmm. Um, some kids want you to do a Dungeons & Dragons class. <laughs> so even though I have said all of this stuff today, 
I'm nowhere near a Dungeons and Dragons expert. Okay. I've never DM'd. Um, I haven't read through the complete rule book from cover to cover. But I, I'm giving myself the same advice that I would give you. You can just try it. Right. Also, like, these are children. Yes. Which you can play Dungeons and Dragons with your children. There's, I already have a kid that's in my class that plays with his parents. I mean, every DM has to start somewhere. Exactly. Well, and we had talked about not actually DMing a game, but, like, Taking, helping the kids to do the creative aspect of yeah. it. Yeah. Creating Build characters, building the world, and then maybe at the end doing, like, a uh-huh. little one shot so they can kind of test it out. Uh-huh. So, yeah. We'll see. Maybe that's something that'll happen in the new year. Well, thanks for uh, sharing all of that yes, with us. I, I know it's what it. you wanted to talk about, but I find it fascinating anyway. I've never, like, I kind of understood all the components, but not how they all fit together. And yeah. Definitely not like, but how mm-hmm. the exactly part is what gets me. Yeah. You don't have to know everything to get started, yeah. which is true of any creative. But app. you do need, at minimum, you need someone who has played, like you need a DM. Like you, Whether it's an actual live person or if you're watching some YouTube videos, like it's best to do some research first. Mm. Yeah. There's people that I know that was like, I didn't know what I was doing. So I just became the DM and I had some friends that also didn't know what they were doing and we just figured it out. Right. And it's okay because but you're Richard with is the DM in your group, right? He is. So has he, had he played before, or like, he what had, were his had, qualifications to become the DM? <laughs> <laughs> he had played before, but he had never. Okay, he when I played through this Dracula campaign, he had never DM'd before. Okay, but he had a vague understanding of the rules. But again, DMs already have to do like some sort of like research and yeah for anything. For any of the campaigns. So so are y'all currently playing or you're campaigning? We are side? currently okay. camp- playing. So, yeah. Um, cool. Let's talk about just Halloween in general. Absolutely. We get to talk about my favorite things today. Joe, I'm so glad you're indulging me. <laughs> of so <course>. exciting. <laughs> it's my favorite time of year. Oh, so, um, all right. This is the least stressed I've ever seen you ever as in, in the previous two years before this. Oh, uh, because like, my, my costume is already done. It's fabulous. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited about that, that it's already done. Also, um, because Halloween is on a Monday, you have like, if you were scrambling, uh, scr- you would have a whole weekend exactly. to scramble. Instead of like, I think last year it maybe was on a Friday or Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I think it were, was on a Friday. So you were scrambling yeah. like during the week. Oh, yeah. So I'm glad I'm not having to deal with that. Um, but... I am I am <laughs> I am a little sad because and this is I'm just gonna tell talk about my sour here. Go for it. Um I'm having to decorate make do for Christmas already. That's my sour. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's been a while since we've shared one. Yeah. Yeah, it's my sour because I feel like I'm robbing my favorite holiday. Yeah. But I understand why we're doing yeah. it. Yeah. We're doing it so we don't have to scramble later. Yes. We and we're having we're already having a Christmas kind of style event that we're a part of. It's because in retail and make do is retail adjacent. Yes. In retail, Christmas has to start early and small businesses in Cersei have a Christmas open house that's always the first Sunday of November, which means it's always right after Halloween. Halloween, which means if I if we're prepared for it, we have to start now. And 
in the past, it's been like a few days before, and now we're trying to give ourselves, well, we'll have a full week plus the rest of this, like about yeah. a week and a half to get ready for it. So yeah. that was, that's my sour too, is that we're already having to do Christmas so early. Yeah. It just, but it is what it is. And Once so November hits, it. it's kind of nice. It's nice to, we're already a, done. It's a lot of work to get the studio ready for Christmas. So then it's nice to enjoy it for two months mm-hmm. too, but it's just that it's happening right now yeah what i really enjoy about the halloween and the fall season is that hey pip speaking of christmas pip's getting in there christmas, christmas box yeah keep talking okay what i really like about the halloween and fall season is that i like beginning of september i start putting out all of my halloween stuff along with my fall decorations and they kind of like go together and then when halloween's over i only have to take down half of it and I already have like my leafy stuff that I can leave up until leafy. Yes. The word we were looking for is leafy. Have you seen that episode of Friends? <laughs> no, I haven't. They're playing um, a game, and Phoebe. Oh, they're like trying to decide the winner of a. It's like a tiebreaker. <laughs> yeah. And so Phoebe's like, "Tell me something about a tree," uh, and then they both say, both teams like say something like they're green, they're whatever, uh-huh. and Phoebe's like. No, leafy. The leafy. word we were looking for is leafy. Yes. Okay. Anyway, yeah, so you can just pull out spooky and keep, keep all of autumnal, my, like, the other uh, autumnal yes. things. All sorts of autumnal things. Yeah. So, yeah. It feels nice this year to just kind of relax into Halloween. Yeah. And like, yeah. Uh, it always goes, so the fourth quarter is my favorite mm. and we're almost done with the first month of it. Yeah. It just goes by so fast. Well, yeah, with lemonade and so and many it, other things. I mean, it just goes so fast. I think summer drags on so long for me, too. And my shoulder surgery kind of made things weird this year. But, yeah. uh, okay, let's talk about Halloween's past. Yes. I don't know if we did this last year or not. I don't remember. Yeah, if not, well, I got to talk to my parents a little bit. I was like, Mom, Dad, what was my first Halloween costume? I thought it was like a cheerleader costume. Uh-huh. Um. But there's been some dispute, and I think it was actually a Barney costume. Interesting. I loved Barney as a kid. Like, I had so a So did little, my youngest sister. She loved oh, Barney. My little stuffed animal. And my parents will tell you, we had a Barney tape in the car, and I wore that thing out. I think we had puppets. Mm. Barney, and what was the... Betty? Was that the green triceratops? Yes. I don't know if it was Betty... Ba- baby Bop. Baby Bop. Betty. Oh, my god. Oh, I was goodness. thinking Betty Boop. <laughs> that's kind of hey, like baby that is, bop that is like baby bop and i think the yellow one was like tj or something yeah i don't remember wow the stuff that you pull out from when you were a kid so my, i think my first halloween costume we all wore it it was like this pumpkin jack-o-lantern um it was kind of like an apron for a kid like it just went over your head and tied oh, and good. there was like a pumpkin like a jack-o-lantern in the front and then one in the back Okay. My mom dressed me and Jess up. This was before Amy was born as um, Raggedy Ann and Andy. Jess had to be Andy. (laughs) And she made our hair out of green crepe paper. Green? Yeah, I don't know why it was green instead of red. Yeah, it should have been red. Pip has found a box that she's dragging around. (laughs) Wow. Um, I also had this Snow White costume that had a mask, like a Snow White mask. Oh, no. So creepy and we all wore it i remember wearing it and like not being able to breathe very well like just feeling really sweaty in it yeah 
It was super creepy. Yeah. For safety purposes, do face paint instead. It's just better for the kiddos. I remember like when I could start painting my face. Like one time I was a cat or Mm -hmm. something and like drawing on my, or Minnie Mouse. Mm -hmm. I was Minnie Mouse and I drew black eyeliner on my nose. Um, In college, I always kind of hated Halloween because it was just a time that I felt like I didn't really have a group. Like Mm -hmm. when all my friends were doing group costumes and I didn't really get invited. I didn't get invited to group costumes either. One time some friends and I dressed up as Hocus Pocus, but it was very random Mm. because I was like the connecting friend and it was like two different friends. And I don't know why we all hung out on that (laughs) night, but like we weren't all friends. It was super weird. Um, do you, which one were you? I was the dark headed one. Oh, only by default because my other friend wanted to be Bette Midler's character. Oh, and then I had a blonde friend. friend. Oh, I was like Mary, I think. Yeah. And so I would thought this is not very interesting. Yeah. Anyway, in college, yeah. Um, there was a Halloween party that was happening off campus. Like one Ooh. of the party clubs was putting it on or something. Oh. Me and my roommate went as Ninja Turtles. So <laughs> we wore green sweats. Okay. And we made shells. Out of what? Cardboard, probably. Okay. Um, and we had like uh, the things over our eyes and like armbands. Perfect. Okay. This, but we show up to this like rave basically. Yeah. And all these girls are like sexy nurse, sexy whatever. And Mm. I'm like, now we got to be freaking sexy Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Well, one of my friends, my friend who was with me was wearing like a cami underneath her Mm -hmm. sweatshirt. So she just took her green sweatshirt off. But I was like, I'm not prepared for this. Also, I've never felt like. I've never wanted to like be sexy fill in the blank because Mm -hmm. that makes me feel uncomfortable in my body. Um, So I just spent the whole night miserable in my green sweats at this Mm. rave. Like, can we please go home? (laughs) And then that is when that really nailed, sealed the coffin. The last nail nail in the the coffin coffin of Halloween. Of me like not liking Halloween. (laughs) Yeah, I I tried to make my peace with people choosing to be sexy fill in the blank. And I think the, I think it has a it has a place. It it, it also has like a time frame. Yeah. Like no one my age now is being sexy ninja turtle or a sexy really. crayon. Yeah, <laughs> or something like that. I think once because my friends all have families, then you do like fun family costumes yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I think what frustrate I think now what, or back then what frustrated me about it was I felt like it was just kind of easy. Yeah, and what I love about Halloween is like the challenge of coming up with a creative costume. And so I was like, well, yeah, if you wear like a tiny black dress and some cat ears, you're a sexy cat. But like, where's the where's the creativity in that? Where's the right? But if that was you or that is you, that's cool. You you do you. It was just not. It was not my thing. I was the one that showed up to my senior Halloween party in full Snow White costume. Not sexy, just like full on. And people were like, wow, that's weird. I was like, this is what makes me happy. Uh-huh. You want to be a sexy Snow White? Cool. I'm going to be over here in my full length dress, my giant collar, having a good time. Yeah. I'm so. going to be real Snow White. Okay. <laughs> no. 
So anyways, um, but one year, actually I did have a group costume. Oh. So my sister and I, one year were, uh, little red riding hood and the big bad wolf. Oh gosh. <laughs> my sister was the big bad wolf. She's younger. Uh-huh. She loved the big bad wolf. My mom had to make her that costume. <laughs> Cause like who sells a big bad wolf costume for a, maybe she was three. For a three-year-old. But no one does. She, she, that was like her favorite character in the story was yes, the Big Bad Wolf. It was for years. Oh, and that's funny. Like she wasn't, didn't think it was scary? No, she, she did. But it was like a, it was like a, you know how you like scary movies because you enjoy being scared? Oh. I think my sister kind of was exploring that as a three-year-old. Mm. And she, like my mom told the story of going to the Disney store and picking out a Big Bad Wolf plush from like the animated shows. Uh-huh. And when she opened it up on Christmas or her birthday, she was like, at first when she opened it up, she was like, uh, like kind of shocked and a little scared. And Uh she's like, oh no, this is cool. She liked it. Yeah. So yeah, my sister was the big bad wolf one year. That's funny. It was cute. And shout out to my mom for being uber creative. And like, she made my cape and hood that I wore for ages and my sister's costume. So Mm -hmm. yeah, she was awesome. She is awesome. Yeah. So, but now you make your own costumes. But now I make my own costume. Mm-hmm. There was one costume I was talking with, with Richard about. It was a purple witch costume that I had probably when I was like 10. And it had like purple striped tights and a cool corset belt that was purple with a black bat on it. And then the hat that was also striped came with purple hair. Uh-huh. And I wore that costume and its various pieces like in so many different ways. And I looked at Richard and I was like, I think that costume had an impression on me. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I've had purple hair now and I love Halloween. And yeah, I kind of wish I had those tights back. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a fun costume. Yeah. <sighs> I think what costume you pick kind of has something. It says something about you. Whether you intend it to or not, just like whatever character you choose to be in Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons, it's kind of like an extension of yourself. Yeah. And you, I think yeah. that that's part of what was always a hang up for me too, because I want to be super clever or su- you know, mm-hmm. like I want to win the costume contest. Girl, me too. Me too. So, what will you do for Halloween? How do you celebrate? So now I try to have friends over, and I'll wear my costume and hand out, and I always want to hand out candy to kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year I'm going to have, um, a Jackbox trivia night where I just invite my friends over, they can wear a costume and then we'll just enjoy some treats and hand out kit candy to kids and yeah. play trivia. Fun. I will not be home. <laughs> You're just going to be hide out somewhere else. Yeah. I will like, I have a screened in porch, mm-hmm. so I will just lock the screen. Yep. Oh, so you're not going to be home, but you're actually going to be home hiding. Well, maybe. Last year, no one came. There's downtown businesses hand out candy, too. And I've done that one year, and I hate it. I hate it. It's expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, downtown, parents, like, people just walk by with their Walmart sack, like, give me candy. Like you could, you know, you could just go buy yourself a bag of candy. Yeah. So there's kind of like a greediness to it that I don't really like. Yeah. The dressing up and the party part is fun, mm-hmm. I think. But um, anyway, 
Yeah, I don't blame you for the whole... Like, it frustrates me when older kids come by with their pillowcases or Walmart sacks and, and, and like, a mask. I'm like, look, there's an exchange here. I came to see your excellent or adorable little costumes, and uh, I give you candy for it. If you ain't going to try, you don't get no candy. Yeah. Especially if you can, like, drive yourself to go and get some candy. Right. So, I don't know. But that leads me into my suite. Um, I'm going home this weekend, so I will come back on Halloween today, okay. on Monday when this airs. Um, so I'm I might actually not be home, but all right, or I'll be just getting home. That'll be nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, my suite is that today is Halloween, <laughs> and I get to enjoy my spooky day. I'm probably I'm probably wearing my spider web skirt mm-hmm. and just. Maybe I'm wearing some spooky makeup today. Black nails. Black nails, yeah. I got some new, like, cat-shaped, cat-imprint nails that I'm going to wear. I'm so excited. Yeah. And your character came back from the and dead. And my character is back from the dead. It's so exciting. So. Uh, and both of our sours is that we're decorating for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. We had the same one. You know, once we once we get past Halloween, I'll be a little bit more okay with it. But. Yeah. Um. What are you learning? I am learning how to paint soft matte objects to look like shiny chrome metal. Interesting. There's a whole like process to it and like how, what you use. Like what? What is a soft matte object that you're painting? So I am going to be making some shoes that have like almost like super reflective gold metallic flowers this on them. This is for cosplay. This is for cosplay. Um, and so I need to be able to make, not just paint it gold, because if you've ever spray painted something gold, it doesn't actually look like metal. Right. So It looks like you spray painted something gold. Yes. So I really, like, I just want that high shine, something where you can almost see your reflection mm-hmm. in it, and there's a method that you can use Ooh. to get that way. And so I'm excited to try that out. So I've been doing some research yeah. and figuring out what supplies I need for it. Ben, what supplies do you, like, what do you need besides paint? So you need something to seal in the soft matte object to make sure there's no holes. So I'm making my flowers out of EVA foam clay. Okay. Um, so I need something to give it a, like, a smooth, almost shiny surface. And then... Can you just use like a poly spray or what? Poly well, acrylic or what do you use? There's something called Plasti Dip. Okay. Which makes the, gives it a nice shiny plastic co- coating. But there's also a ceramic spray that you can use. Okay. That gets it really shiny. And then on top of that, you airbrush on this lovely metallic paint. It's called All Clad Chrome. And it gets you to a shiny silver. But then you use... Um, I believe it's Liquitex acrylic varnish plus some food coloring that gets you to the gold metallic luster. Interesting. So you're act- the shine isn't on top, it's underneath. It's underneath. Fascinating. The gold adds the, yeah, the liquid, and it's flexible. It doesn't crack. Um, How cool. I'm so excited. You should do that. You should Insta story that process. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Lord knows I'll have plenty of flowers to do that with. <laughs> so, what are you learning? I'm learning and I am obsessed oh. naturally. Um, I've been learning how to make crocheted ornaments. Oh yes. You were telling me about this. And Pip has gotten restless. 
she's like, you've been talking about Dungeons and Dragons for so long. It's time to do something yeah. else. Um, I am on my, I've been just listening to my audiobooks and crocheting them in the morning or like in the morning, I just sit in silence and crochet. And then at night I crochet. So I have made three and I'm working on it. I started my fourth one this morning. Oh my goodness. Pip. <laughs> hey, Pip, go get your bone. Where is it? Go get it. <laughs> not Madison's My forearm is <laughs> not that not bone. Your bone. Not Madison's forearm okay. bone. Anyways, they kind of look like granny squares, but they circular. are granny squares. Oh. <laughs> I'm really trying to keep it cool, but she is just like in my space. <laughs> Bless her. Um. So they are granny squares. Okay. I love the look of them. Yeah, they're they're they've been really fun, and it's a fun way to like play with color and all of that. How easy would you say it is to? Oh, it's e like, um, it's easy. Okay, it, yeah. If you, yeah, it would be. It's beginner friendly for Excellent. sure. The hardest thing is like getting them together, like a, as a seam, like around the hemisphere of the of the. <laughs> <laughs> the ornament. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm trying to play it cool, but like Pip is no. like There's up no in her chill. Spot. There's no chill in here. Come on, Pip up. Yeah. Oh, there we go. We just needed some attention. Okay. She's in my lap now. All right. Well, we might have to wrap this up real quick. <laughs> yep. All right. Thanks for listening. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you to my dear, dear friend Craig Hudson for our very createful theme music. You can hear more of Craig's music on Spotify under Craig Hudson. That's Hudson with a T. Or you can just uh, click on the link in the show notes. Also, be sure to connect with Make Do on Instagram at Make Do Create or on Facebook at Make Do Cersei. And visit our website, makedocreate.org, for upcoming classes, show notes, to order a face mask, lots of things. We'll be back here with another episode next Monday. Have a good week, y'all.